Um, just a couple things I wanted to mention. First off, Brian always sends us an email wants us to mention certain things. So uh, today is new member presentation. So we got a couple people that baptized last weekend, so I'll present them as new members. Um, Co-ed volleyball sign up, seven week, uh, seven weeks worth of games, twenty-five dollars a person. You can sign up online. Um, they'll be playing at the United Methodist Church in Pleasant Hill. Um, okay, there's a typo here, and I don't want. I probably shouldn't say it the way it's worded. Anyway. Um, Brian's going to start a new study on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock on 1 Timothy. So that'll kick off tonight. And um, I think everybody, that's it for that. So um, so we're supposed to clean the church this coming weekend. Our class, we somehow it seems like we always end up on Thanksgiving. I don't know. Uh, at least that's what it seems to me. I think... Uh, Jeremy is coming out to do. He's not here this morning. I was gonna, yeah, I think didn't he say Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna try to coordinate if anybody else wanted to come on Wednesday with him instead they, of Friday you, or Saturday. Yeah, is he gonna be here today? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, we'll interrupt this, the class and address that when he gets here. Just want to remind everybody to pray for uh, Gwen Arney. Um, he is uh, back on chemo. Uh, they've done the radiation treatments that they needed to do, and um, the, the chemo has got him, he's starting to exhibit a lot of the same type of pains that he had before when he was on chemo, so um, not sure what that means, but he's on very uncomfortable, hurting, has a hard time still eating, did get a couple times a good, a decent round of sleep, which is helpful. Um, but he's got a lot, lot, to, lot further to go, and so just keep praying for him and Betty and uh, the Balkans. I'm just going to keep on mentioning them, and because we got Bud Crush back here in the room again, we're thankful to see Bud. Um, just praying for his lungs and just everything going on. And then Desiree, is she here today? Yeah. How's she doing? She is doing a whole lot better. I'm in trouble all the time. So. <laughs> so she, she's good enough to get you a, to keep you on, on your toes. Well, that says a lot right there. <laughs> and then um, and then Bob, keep keep praying for Bob as he's. Uh, you got any more medical appointments coming up? I'm sorry. Any medical appointments coming up? Well. There were a couple that they were redoing the power supply at the VA, and so they canceled all those appointments and said that they would contact the patients that had appointments to reschedule them. Hmm. Crickets. Well, okay. Well, we'll pray for you get an appointment like that you need when you need it. Yeah. The, the next one that's coming up is on the 3rd of December, and that's to get the ultrasound done on my legs. Okay. Oh, at the VA? Yeah. Okay. I had my MRI on Thursday. It's the first one in three months. And uh, haven't seen the images, but the scans basically said things are stable compared to last, my last scan. Stable, good word? Stable is a good word. I just want to make sure I'm saying the right word. Just I mean. Not that, yeah, I know stable is good. I just want to make sure I'm interpreting 
the doctor's writing. So um, anyway, uh, but I do see my I do see my oncologist next Tuesday, uh, just to kind of follow up. This week or the following? This week. This week, Tuesday, yeah. So, um, and then um, <clears throat> just to mention, I think it's in the bulletin. Uh, Thanksgiving meal donations. There's a pile of gro ever-growing groceries in the auditorium, at least, or in the lobby, at least there was. So um, it's for it's the information in the bulletin. So you're going to read that because I don't have all the information or when they need to have the food by. Well, I'm assuming probably today, um, just to kind of get those boxes ready that they're going to deliver. And um, I think that's everything. Sonia Ferguson. Oh yeah. She's. I haven't heard about her. What's the uh, They think it's possible meningitis. Meningitis? Yeah. She done recognized Barry for the last few days. Wow. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that. She's still in the hospital. Mm -hmm. hmm. Thanks for letting me know about it because I didn't. It, it got past me somehow, which that's understandable. Um, okay, so Jeremy, before you guys came in, we just mentioned that this weekend is our our annual Thanksgiving Christmas week. Our class always <laughs> seems to get it for Thanksgiving. Uh, I know you're cleaning on Wednesday. Yeah. So if anybody else wants to come in on Wednesday, you know what time you're coming? I was planning uh, mid-morning so on Wednesday. Okay. Because we're and then you'll whatever's left over left picked up on Saturday yeah. we used to have a check off sheet I'll see if I can find that we can leave it on the connection yeah. center but just do everything and we don't have to worry about yeah, it yeah that's true mm -hmm. <laughs> it's <be> smart <laughs> that works yep. um, yeah just leave us a list or text me what he still needs to get done okay. and we'll take care of that I'll send an email out in the next day or two to let people know that you're going to be Wednesday morning, mid-morning time frame. If they want to come and work and contribute then, mm -hmm. they can come. Or we'll come on Saturday morning, what time? 6 a.m.? No. <laughs> Surely we'll get it all done. <laughs> Nine. Nine, okay. All right. I'll, email, it. I'll email the class for that. Let everybody know. We'll get it done. Thank you. 6 a.m.? <laughs> okay, so I'll... Uh, Let's, let's pray. Psalm chapter 147, verses 1 to 10. It's a little bit longer than that, but we're only used to the first half. one it says praise ye the Lord for it is good to sing praises unto our God for it is pleasant and, and praise is comely the Lord doth build up Jerusalem he gathereth together the outcasts of Israel he healeth the broken heart and bindeth up their wounds he telleth the number of the stars he calleth them all by name by their names great is our Lord and great power his understanding is infinite the Lord lifteth up the meek he casteth the wicked down to the ground Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp with our God, unto our God, who covereth the heaven with mountains, or with clouds, sorry, 
who praises rain, who prepares rain for the for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beasts his, his food, and to the young ravens which he, which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh no not pleasure in the legs of a man. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this passage as we read it. We are reminded, Lord, just how much you were involved in all of our lives. We do pray, Father, that you would continue to lift up the meek, uh, and then, Lord, that they would seek after you for their strength as well. We do pray for our everybody that's on the prayer list. And I know we just mentioned a few people in our class um, because they're part of our class, but, Lord, there's a lot of names on the, on the weekly prayer list. And so we lift them all up to you as well, and we pray, Father, that you would... Um, uh, that you would help them, that you would heal, as he says in verse 3, that you would heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds, Lord. We pray, Father, for healing uh, for all of the names, especially for, for the ones that are in our class, Quain and, uh, and uh, Sharon and Bob Bolkin and Bud Crush and Desiree, Lord. Just continue to strengthen them and Bob Klein as well. We truly pray that you would make a way for Bob to get his appointments rescheduled so that he could uh, continue in his treatments. In those things and we just pray father also that you would guide us and direct us uh, that lord that our will would be surrendered to your will and that everything that we do would we do it because we want to please you and not ourselves and we thank you for all that you do in jesus name our word tells us it's good to sing praises unto you Thank you for your word and for um, just reminding us who you are. Lord, we just ask that during this season of Thanksgiving that we could just have a supernatural calm of our whole country we've all been living in such a heightened state of stress and anxiety just ask that people would really reflect on the things that they're thankful for and that it would just have a calming effect on our society Father in heaven, as we conclude in prayer, we just also want to remember Sonia Ferguson, Lord, and the, the um, this condition that she's in right now, Lord, and um, not really clear if she's still in the hospital or, or out yet, but Lord, I pray that you would move in her life, Lord, that you would heal her body, you would restore her, give her strength that she needs to be able to continue serving you as she always does. I know that brings her joy to be able to serve you, so please help her. And Father, we just pray for this passage of scripture that we're studying over the next several weeks, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us and you would help us to apply it in a, in a way that makes uh, uh, makes sense to us uh, and that uh, we honor you by uh, applying it in our life. We thank you and praise you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, this morning, we're just kind of clicking along here, slowly but surely, getting our way through this letter. Um, so let me ask you a question before we get started. I, I, I think this is an interesting question. You don't have to answer it, 
out loud. Out loud. Uh, but when you get up on Sunday morning, you get ready to go to church. Uh, when you think about coming to church, what part of Sunday morning at church do you look forward to the most? What do you look forward to the most coming to HBF? I mean, a lot of things there are. You don't have to answer them. I'll give you some of the things that people probably would say if you answer. Some would say, I answer, uh, I've come for the music. No? Okay. That's all right. Some people will say they come for the fellowship. Yeah, fellowship is a good reason to come to church. Some people would say, I like the preacher. He, he, he really teaches me. Not, not this one, but the main service. <laughs> uh, some people would say that they, uh, I have music on here twice, but anyway. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but let me ask you this question. Does anybody ever look forward to coming to church just to put something in the offering plate? Yeah, no, not really. Nobody really thinks about that. And, uh, and so it's interesting that we don't. Because um, uh, if we would just take a deep look into the scripture, you'll see that what God has promised represents all that God has and will give to us. And all that God is asking is, uh, you know, give back to him the same thing. And so it's an amazing thing. I know, we, you know, it's a shame. I was thinking about this. I don't know if I should try to recommend it back uh, to restarting. But, you know, we don't pass the plate anymore. We have a box. We have electronic methods of giving. You can drop drop giving in the box, and you know that kind of stuff. And that's, but there's something about taking the plate from the person next to you, and putting something in the plate, and then passing it on down. There's because what you when you do that, there's an act of taking from you and put it. On. I I need. I'm going to talk to the the pastoral team about that because I think it's. Uh, I mean, I know why we don't do it. COVID really messed the world up. You know, there's no way around it. Uh, we stopped because of COVID, because we didn't want to pass the plate and everybody touching it, and get their their uh, sticky fingers all over it or whatever they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, but but there's something about it's a whole lot different. I mean, okay, I send it electronically. It's not the same thing as putting it in the plate. It's just not. But but the but giving is important. That's why I, I titled this uh, partnering in giving because we need to partner in giving. Uh, I would say that every Christian should be eager, anxious, and thrilled about the opportunity to give at the offering. Most aren't. They should be thrilled at, at uh, and they should be eager and anxious about the opportunity to give at the offering because of the meaning of these two verses. Let me read these first two verses. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus Christ said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met withal, it shall be measured to you again. There's a, there's a, a give and take in giving. There's a, probably not give and take, there's a give and a receive. Paul writes, and we'll, we'll get to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, but he says in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 9, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The, par- the parallel of those two verses point to the fact that we should be eager, anxious, and thrilled about the opportunity to give. Not because we get. Now that would be the wrong motivation to get back where I was at. Okay, there, we're back again. Sorry for those that were on there. I don't know. 
Somebody ought to fix the internet. <laughs> okay, so anyway, where we're at. Um, okay, so there's this at the, you have the right attitude for giving. And I would say that it's sad that we no longer pass the offering plate because taking the plate and putting something of yourself in the plate is symbolic, just like Christ put himself on the cross and gave to you. And we should do the same thing. And so as we enter into this chapter and the next, we're reminded that the last chapter, chapter 7, had brought great joy to Paul. What happened in Paul's, in, the, in, in chapter 7, led to a, a rejoicing in Paul. And, um, and so, uh, so we're looking at that and recognizing that he, it, what happened, look at verse 7 of chapter 7 real quick. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. So Paul was rejoicing over the report of the church, his opinion of Paul. And we talked about that last week in chapter 7. He rejoiced uh, that their mind was towards him. And then in verse 9... We see this, a similar thing. He says, "Now I rejoice, not that we were, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing." So there's two times, just very quickly, Paul mentions rejoicing. He's rejoiced in verse nine because they repented. He learned of their repentance. He rejoiced, and he also taught them on repentance to make sure they understood what they did. But if you look at verse seven, uh, sixteen of chapter seven. I rejoice, therefore, that I might have confidence in you all thing, in all things. And then verse 1 of chapter 8, 16 and then the 8, verse 1. I rejoice, therefore, that I have confidence in you in all things. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And then he goes right into a whole other topic. But it, it's, what's really cool here is that in chapter 16, this is the last time Paul uses the word rejoice in this book, in this letter. Probably um, probably because he is finally confident of the church and can now move on and teach what he, really, what, what he really needs to explain. So he's joyful now that he doesn't have to deal with their problem anymore, their fit, that that problem has been resolved and he can move on. So he's rejoiceful with all of that. Uh, particularly, he needed to address the lack of attending to a, to a commitment the church had made a commitment. We'll talk about that in just a, in a second. The church had made a commitment a year ago. That commitment was, we're going to help. We will help. Uh, you ask us to help, Paul, so we'll help the church in Jerusalem. Financially, we'll do what, what we can. The problem is, they hadn't done it. So he's got to teach them again, change your behavior. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, we see him reference the fact that they promised to do something. Verse 10, chapter 8. And herein I give you my advice. I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. What he reminded them is that you said a year ago you were going to do something, and now I'm taking the opportunity to say you haven't done it yet. He's just calling on the carpet, really, is what he's doing. He says, You haven't done it. Verse 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. That's kind of bold, right? He said, okay, so you promise. You know, we do that sometimes, too. We make a promise to somebody. Well, that person that you make a promise to, they get to come back later on and say, 
perform the doing of it. Because that's what God is doing. You, you make, a, make a commitment to God, and then you don't perform the doing of it. God comes back and says, but you said. You said, you said. So anyway, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so in your heart there was a readiness to will, so there, might, so there may be a performance also out of that which he had. So you said you were going to give, so take what you have and give. I mean, just perform the doing of it. I actually like that expression a little bit better than I realized last, than when I was looking at this last night. So anyway, he's not just talking about tithe. Don't misunderstand what this is. This is he's not even talking about the tithe, our regular giving. It's a completely different topic here. He doesn't even address tithing. He doesn't address money. What he does address is your heart, how it should be towards giving. That's what these two chapters are about, chapters 8 and 9. Not about, here's the, here's the policy on giving, here's the policy on tithing. He doesn't, he doesn't lay out a policy on tithing. He doesn't lay that out. What he's doing is, here is how your heart ought to be and how you should perform the doing of it, because this is where your heart should be. That's the whole point of this lesson. So these chapters are concerned with the collection he uses that expression later uh, in chapter chapter or First Corinthians chapter sixteen. Uh, these chapters nine, eight, and nine are concerned with the collection which the apostle was raising in all of the Gentile churches for the church of Jerusalem, which was suffering at the time. If you recall, uh, in chapter eight of the book of Acts, the, uh, the the church in Jerusalem fell under persecution. That persecution didn't stop. Things were going on. If you remember, you know, because they all became Christians and the Jews were like, they are of that way. And so, you know, uh, we got to stop that way. And so um, after, after, after uh, Stephen's message, the, uh, the deacon Stephen, he preached an awesome message, which I think is in chapter 7. And then he was executed. Uh, he was, he was crucified. He was killed. Um, and then the Persecution broke out on the church, and people scattered, and that's when they went to Antioch and different places. And so anyway, that's not ha that hasn't stopped. It's gotten worse, in fact, uh, and continues on to, these, to this very day, or at the point in time in this, this writing of this letter. So if you look at Acts chapter 11, verse 28, I want to show you something else as well here. Acts chapter 11 and verse 29, 28. This is a reminder of what was happening. Acts eleven twenty-eight. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Caesar. Uh, then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined, so here's that, the willingness to make a decision, they determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So, the church at Corinth said, hey, there's something going on, we need to do something about, about what's going on, so we'll do it, and they didn't do it yet. So this, the situation actually referred to in Acts chapter 11, verse 28, um, was an encouragement to the church at Antioch, because this is actually, church, chapter 11 is actually before Paul's first missionary journey. So we were actually the churches, the two churches we're dealing with is the church at Jerusalem, the church at Antioch, where all the persecuted Christians spread to. They fled Jerusalem. Many of them went to Antioch. Uh, Barnabas, remember Barnabas? He went there and he 
he helped get the church started. Um, he, what, what, what Pastor Brian would call a seed plant. There was already a group, there was a seed of people there. He just went and watered, and the church grew up out of that, became the church in Antioch that sent Paul out later. Anyway, um, the offering was collected. So there was an encouragement to take up an offering by this guy, Agabus. And the offering was collected, and it was sent by the hands of Barnabas and Paul uh, in verse 30, which we read. Um, Which they also did and sent it by the elders, or sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So they took up an offering, they took up a collection, they sent it with Barnabas and Saul. I basically point that out to you because this is a, a um, precedence that had been set for helping other churches. So helping other ministries in need has a biblical precedence, even from the early days. That's what this is all about in, in Acts chapter 11. So just think, just think about this, because it's an interesting way to think about it helping other churches, uh, the reality that all like-minded churches are of the same body, the body of Christ, and therefore supporting churches in need parallels giving support to your local church. There's no difference in helping another church who needs help financially, just like there's no difference in you helping your own church financially deal with what needs to be dealt with. Because we're all part of the church, body of Christ. And so we're just, uh, we're just helping another person, another church. And, and, and so I think it parallels that very well. Okay, so Acts chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. Is where we're, that's about as far as we're going to get today. Let's get back over there, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So I'm just going to read the first eight verses, and then we'll break them all down here. Now, as touching things offered... Yep, that first one, please. Here we go. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take, it, take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. And he's making a point here. That's the whole thing about these first eight verses. He's making a point. So hopefully, even in that, as we read that, you can hear Paul's point of forgiving, but it's not. But if you if you didn't pick up on the fact that he's making a point about giving, let me just read Second Corinthians nine, verses six to eight. Second Corinthians nine, verse six to eight. He kind of makes the same F, uh, point again. 
But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he which soweth abundant, bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Even every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make, to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, might abound to every good work. And so, we'll be in chapters, like I said, 8 and 9 for a couple weeks at least, 3 or 4 maybe, not sure exactly. But the goal is not to teach on tithing. That's not this, this, this is not about tithing. This is about a heart desire to give. And, uh, and so, um, we'll cover the issue of tithing when it, at an appropriate time. Uh, but the issue that we're looking at is what we read in verse 7 of that passage I just read. According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. What do you purpose in your heart? Whatever you purpose in your heart, that's what you ought to do. That's, he's calling them out on the carpet, basically, and saying, you made, a, you made a, a, a declaration that you were going to do. You made a commitment to God, and so in your heart you had a purpose that you were trying to accomplish to help. At least that's what you presented it as. And so let's make that happen. So it's a hard issue then in, this, in these two chapters. Uh, Paul will teach the Corinthians and us several different principles about giving, about making an offering. So real quick, I'm just going to kind of, you don't have to write, I think I just stuck this in your notes just so you had it. Uh, but verses eight, 1 to 9, there's two actually two principles here, the principle of reason and the principle of expectation. And in verses 10 to 12, there's a principle of giving is expected by the believers. I mean, God expects us to be a giver. He doesn't, he doesn't expect Christians to be stingy. He doesn't expect that. He's not asking us to be stingy. He's not asking us to withhold everything that we have been given. He gives us the blessings that he gives us so that we might be able to share them with other people. And I'll explain what I think, how he's how Paul addresses that here in just a few minutes. Uh, and then um, verses 13 to 15, we have an explanation of why we should give, why we should make an offering. And then verses 16 to 24 is an example of encouragement. And then we get over into chapter 9. There's an exhortation of commitments that are made. Um, you know, there's, there's people that make commitments and then they don't keep up with them. And what Paul, what Paul is saying is that God wants you to make, he wants you just to be, make sure, you know, do, uh, how do we say that verse? And perform the doing of it. Perform the doing of it, thank you. And then we'll wrap it all chapter 9 up with an exclamation of joy. Because giving brings joy. Okay, so verse 1, what I call Paul's example of an immediate need. Uh, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So just in this lesson, just as in the lesson on repentance, where Paul used his own, their repentance to illustrate the steps of repentance, now Paul presents a lesson on giving, because their lack of giving. He's going he's to teach them a lesson. Not going to teach them a lesson. He's going to teach them a lesson. So um, it could be suggested that this lesson falling on the heels of repentance is somehow connected to the need to repent. In my mind, as I'm processing this, I'm thinking, he just got done with repentance. They kind of made a promise to God, and they need to repent of the failure to maintain that promise. So it's kind of connected in a way. Um, mainly because the Corinthians had neglected to honor their own word to contribute to the fund raising to help the church in Jerusalem. So Paul, 
He's going to call. He's going to call them to repent of their lack of execution of their of their zeal and to look and sound like they are really going to do it. In verses eight, I'm sorry, verse ten, chapter eight, verses ten and eleven, Paul writes this: Herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun not only to do but also to be forward a, a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it. He's just getting right in their face. In chapter nine, verse two. He writes this, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal had provoked many. What he's reminding them of right there in that passage in verse 2, he's like, because you committed to giving, I've been going around telling other churches that you're, you're going to help, and they're like, oh, if you guys are helping, I'm going to help. That's what's happening. And he's, Paul's reminding them, because you said you were going to give. Now these churches are wondering, why aren't you giving? Because you said you were. You know, it's like they put Corinthians in in the role of leadership, and now they're saying you're not leading. You're making it. You're you're making a huge mistake here. You're not leading. So Paul even wrote of the need to help. Turn over to Romans chapter fifteen. And he wrote of it. He wrote of the need to help other churches even in Romans nineteen, Romans fifteen verse twenty five. We'll start there. Romans 15, verse 25. I'm going to read all the way down to 30. uh, Verse 32. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it had pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It had pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles had made had been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I will, I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of, of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers, uh, to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Jer- believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jer- Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. That's a long passage here, but but the point is that Paul Paul is actually saying because of everything that is going on, I'm going to I'm going back to Jerusalem, and he's getting ready to go back to Jerusalem, and even now. I want to go back to Jerusalem. I'm going to take this this contribution, this this collection that we've taken up, and then I'm going to come back to you, and then I'm going to go on and on to Spain. So he's kind of painting that picture there. But in verse one, back in Acts chapter, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one, Paul uses an interesting expression. Moreover, brethren, do uh, we do you to wit? How many talk like that today? Lance does. Lance? Wow, that's awesome. Two people called you out on that, so I have to kind of go with them. Out of the mouth of two witnesses. <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, it's a rather, I think, a rather rare expression for us, but it's a very simple translation. Basically, it means to make known 
or to tell of, to make known. Basically, it's like this. Hey, let me give you an illustration. That would be to wit. Let me give you an illustration. Let me make it known to you. Paul reminds them how the churches of Macedonia were doing. That's to wit. He says, I'm going to make it known. I want to make you known. I want to make it known what is going on in all these other churches. Some of it because of what you already claimed that you were going to do. So even more simply, as I said, it's, hey, let me give you an illustration. And that's what Paul does. So in this, in this section here, there's a clear picture for giving. The words in chapter 8 paint a clear picture of why, why to give, and to use the Macedonian churches as an example. It's amazing that the church at Corinth made a promise a year ago that they were going to give. And then he went to Macedonia and told them, hey, the Corinthian church is going to give. And so they're all, okay, we'll give. And now he has to use the Macedonian church as an example to the Corinthian church that you said you were going to give, now give. So the example became the exemplar. I know that's bad English, but I hope you get the point. So those churches, um, now there's three churches that we we know of in Macedonia. Um, the first one is the Church of Philippi, and we know their heart. And I think probably everybody here is familiar with Paul said about the Church of Philippi that they uh, that they were. He said, in, he said, for Philippians chapter 4, verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. Philippians is the giving church. Well, so is uh, the other two churches, which is Thessalonica and, uh, and Berea. So those were the churches in, in the area called Macedonia. There might have been other unnamed churches in Scripture, yet Paul is clear uh, as to their, all, their motivation. All of them was to give. Uh, verse 1. God bestowed grace on the churches. So he, moreover, brethren, I do do with the grace of God bestowed on the churches. So, and we all know what grace is, right? It's an undeserved favor. It's, it's, it's a free and undeserved favor. And so God gives us grace. And what Paul is pointing out here is the church, this giving is a giving of grace to the church in Jerusalem. And so when we give... We're giving it free. They don't deserve it, but we're going to give it. That's free giving. In verse 2, he goes on, he said, but, but that in a great trial of affliction, their abundance and their, of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So verse 2, their, their joy abounded. Uh, they, were, they were so liberal, that they were so happy to give that they were very liberal. Now, not in a political term that we use liberal today. They, they were liberally pouring out. They were just giving as much as they could give, no matter what their situation was, no matter how, how troubling they were. Later on, he talks about them being uh, uh, destitute themselves. Um, so uh, the background to this, um, this whole thing, this whole giving purpose, is because there was a famine that had been reported that had spread it throughout the land. Many were deprived of their livelihoods. We go all the way back to what was happening in Acts chapter 8 with the persecution of the church. That had to continue on because Jerusalem, the Jews of Jerusalem, they never let up. Once the, once, once, once the persecution began, they never let up. And so there's a reason to give. And when Paul became aware of the need, he determined to enlist the aid of all the churches for the relief of the, churches in, the church in Jerusalem as an expression of the oneness of the body of Christ. He's trying to say, hey, we're all in this together. They're suffering. 
technically, by 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 extension, we are suffering. We, you know, it's not that. Well, I'm glad they're getting beat up and not me, and walk away from all of that. That's not the that's not the way we should be when a church is suffering. Like even today, there are churches around the world that are under persecution. I think everybody's pretty familiar with that concept. It's not a concept; it's a reality. It happens all the time in certain in some countries. Not just the church, but anybody that claims to be a Christian, uh, their their family could could just kill them because they they've been ashamed by the by their uh, conversion to to be Christians, and so you know what we shouldn't just like ah oh, I'm glad I'm not suffering like they are. We're not suffering in that same sense, but we should feel the pain in some way by by connection of some sort through prayer. They they are suffering, and Paul says, well, you know what we they're the churches in the Macedonia um, they were giving because they don't want the church in Jerusalem to, to know that they're alone, that they're by themselves. So again, we have to, we see a precedence. The precedence that we talked about in Acts chapter 11, verse 29, has now come all the way to this point in 2 Corinthians uh, to help the church. And it's interesting, Paul, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 now, because Paul, Paul gives details on how to collect the money. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. Now, notice the words in the light of everything we're talking about. Now, concerning the collection. Concerning the collection. Now, Paul hasn't said anything about tithe. Now, I know we always use this passage as we give tithes on Sunday mornings. We take up the offerings on Sunday mornings, that kind of stuff. Now, that's not what Paul's talking about here. He says, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches in Galatia, even so do ye. And he says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. And what's important is verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 3. Verse 3 and 4. And when I come, whosoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality to Jerusalem. The collection he's talking about in verse 1 is going to be sent to Jerusalem in verse 3. And in verse 4, and it will be meet that I go also, that they that they shall go with, and if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. So Paul says, we're gonna you you pick out who you want to send this this contribution to. Now you know we had it pretty easy. We can do a wire transfer to a bank and it's done. We don't even have to think about it. Paul Paul is saying, okay, church, on a Sunday you concerning the collection, you collect it, identify somebody who's going to carry that money in cash along the road. Where they could be read, they could be robbed, and let them t- protect that con- that collection till they till they get to Jerusalem and give them give the church that money. Now, how would how would how would that be for us? I mean, we just wire the money. You know, uh, oh, I can't get the money I wired. It's too expensive to wire. So sorry, we'll pray. We'll be praying for you, brother. <laughs> That's not what Paul's talking about here either. He's talking about you need to get that there. If you make a commitment, you need to get it there. Okay, so most likely all the churches were already aware of the need for a collection. Probably because Paul had sent Titus as his representative many times to many different places. And Paul, this has been going on for a year plus of the need to give. And Paul is just 
reminding everybody, but Titus, every time Titus went to a different place, he told them there was a need. He told them there was a need. And so Paul instructs the church to lay up in store on the first day of the week, meaning to let, keep it a set aside. I would even say set aside from your tithing. So you wonder where we, in our discipleship lesson, where we get tithes and offerings and sacrificial giving. This is part of the concept of that. Because we're talking about an offering here. We're not talking about tithing. We're talking about an offering. Maybe it's a sacrificial giving because in some place, some people's situation, some church's situation, they just didn't have it to give, but they gave anyway. Philippians were one of those churches. So most of the time, this passage is referred to, as I said, giving on tithes on Sunday. But Paul's not directing tithes right now. He's not even talking about tithes. He's talking about a collection of a special offering that will be sent right away to Jerusalem. So wherever he went, he spoke of the need for, to support this church. And when he mentioned it to the Macedonian churches, there was a tremendous interest in helping, and they used their example to encourage Corinth. And then in verse 2, again, verse 2, let me get back there again. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and notice, in their deep poverty... They didn't have it to give, but they gave what they had. Paul has an example of an immediate contribution here. And so he had already instructed the churches to attend to the need to raise funds for the help of the church that he planned to collect and deliver it to Jerusalem. So this is not the first time that Paul has done this, as I said already. He's already established a precedent to help again. And then in verses 3 to 8, Paul talked more about the churches there in Macedonia. In verse 3... It says, for to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. So in verse 3, they had a willingness that was not limited by their own situation. In fact, they didn't let their situation override their willingness, override their actual execution of doing something. Paul goes on record to make a strong claim that to, that to, uh, to the giving heart of the Macedonians. And in verse 2, he speaks of the great trial of affliction, affliction that was mitigated by their joy to give. So whatever their situation was, they were so happy to give that they didn't let their situation prevent their giving, which is what a lot of times people do. They say, you know, I can't give. i got this situation happening right now, and um, I'd love to give, but it's not going to. And so we got to change that. Now, we're talking about giving in a special process. We're not talking about tithing. We'll get to tithing in another time. But the principles... They all kind of follow along. So it's, it's really interesting how he spent two chapters on this topic. That's how important it was to Paul. Then it goes in verse 4 of chapter 8, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. So Paul's saying two things here. He says we both need to contribute and to convey this offering. Um, I would say convey means to deliver. So maybe maybe some of us need to pick up and go to that church and take them what they need. We've done that a couple times in the past. Uh, churches needed uh, help, you know, with, um, because of earthquakes and hurricanes and different stuff, and we've gone to help them. I know we went down to help people in uh, um, Joplin, Houston, Louisiana. Um, and uh, and DePaul. Uh, so we've gone. We've taken things there to help them. Um, sometimes we just wire it, but you know, it, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's not the sense of 
partnership. Because this is what the title is, right? Partnership and giving. We need a partner. And so, I mean, wiring is one thing. Was, well, that was tough. Brianna, will you just wire us some money for us? Oh, yeah, she's knocked it out and done. Or Luke, you know, and whoever does it, I don't know. You know, but it's uh, five minutes and it's done. Money's out of our bank. It's, it's transferred around the world. And we all feel good. But we really need a partner. We need to con- not only contribute, but to convey. We do that with the Bibles. We do that with the Bibles, and we need to start following our Bibles around. Because oh, that's hard. Yeah, so, uh, so the New Testaments, um, they went back to Alabama, and then they're going to figure out how to ship them to Zambia. And I've already, several months ago, started talking to Dan about bringing a team over next spring, or some, next year, at some point in time. And uh, so then we'll get to follow up on those New Testaments in, see where they're going. So, and there's other things too that, that uh, we would like to do. We send we're sending a team to Oaxaca this coming at the end of this coming week. They'll be leaving, and uh, we've sent Bibles to Joe multiple times. So, and Traxy. Um, so those three six those three boxes of tracks that he said that he'll be able to put those in check bags. They only weigh 75 pounds, so they can split them up in two check bags and off they go. Remember the tracks that we've had to fold? Well, most of them are already there, I think, I hope. I need to actually follow up on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, following those kind of things is a good plan. Okay, so let me just make this statement here. It's a long statement. You have several blanks in your, in your hand out here. Christian cares for others originates... First one is originates. Christian care for others originates in the grace of God. And then there are several words here. Ministers abundant joy. Ministers abundant joy to those who give is not withheld by deep poverty. Begins with the consecration of the giver's soul to God. Does not wait to be entreated. Because true giving seeks privilege of ministering to those who lack. So there's a privilege we hadn't talked about yet. There's a privilege in giving. Because really all we're doing is transferring God, God's blessing on us. That's what kind of the whole gist of the statement is. God's, God's blessing on us, we're rerouting it to somebody else. We're just nothing more than a funnel to get it from God into the world, through us, and into where it needs to be. That's all it is. So everybody got your blanks? Okay, let me... So originates. That's the first one. Second one is ministers. Abundant joy. I think that might be two two blanks. I'm not sure. And then uh, withheld by deep poverty. And the next one is with the consecration of the giver's soul to God. And then the, the next one is to be entreated. And lastly, it's privilege. Okay. Probably shouldn't have made so many blanks. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking when I do stuff. I'm sorry. Okay, verse 5. We're going to finish early today. And this they did not as, they, as we hope, but first gave their own selves. Notice... They, they didn't give money right away. They gave themselves first to the Lord, not just to the church, but to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God. So verse 5 says that they gave them of themselves. 
which apparently the church at Corinth wasn't doing very well at the time. They weren't giving to God. That's what that's part of what the whole book of First and Second Corinthians is about. So we have the experiences. We all have experiences, right? Every one of us have experiences. Uh, we've experienced this very thing before. When somebody comes out to minister to you, and they go above and beyond what you expect, it's an amazing how they go above and beyond no matter what. Ephesians, Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. It's an incredible thing when people go beyond themselves to help us. You know, I mean, I think it was an amazing thing that that team came from Alabama. I mean, we've never had a church come. I mean, we've had people from a local church who they hear about it, they come, they spend a couple hours. This church packed up, got to, got in, in several vehicles and drove all the way from Alabama uh, and then put all these New Testaments together. It was incredible. Uh, they gave above and beyond what we would normally expect people to do. That's part of the reason we had such a great time with them because they were willing to do above and beyond. Why? Not just so that they could say, well, we made, we made New Testaments and you know, put that as a checkoff on, on their list of things that the church did, but because they ultimately are going to go help a church in Zambia. So we could call that to help in the church in Jerusalem, but it's the it's Zambian church, and not just one Zambian church, several in, in, a, in an extension into Malawi. And so I think it's really cool. So they, they go above and beyond themselves. The Macedonians kept back nothing. They felt that all that they had belonged to God, so let it be used for God however God designates it. And that's the, that's the thing. So God brings things into us. He gives to us. We can turn that right around and give it to somebody else as God, as God directs. What's especially amazing is the Macedonian churches gave of themselves to Paul to allow him to direct them. They weren't looking for, this is what we're going to do. And we can, all, all of this, bottom line, verse 5, is all about the will of God motivating us to do things. It's about the will of God. And then, and then verse 7, verse 7 says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So, what's really interesting, I would just title this, No Command Here. There's no command here. Paul's not issuing a command to, to give. God's not issuing a command to give any kind of an offering. In other words, the grace that God gave us should be the catalyst that we give to others. Whatever God, God graced us, and we've talked about that many times, God has graced us. He has given to us things that we don't rightly deserve because of his love for us, his free, his free will love for us. And so we should just do the same thing. So God graced us and we should grace other people. We're not compelled by God to send support. But our heart should hear about the reality of the giving of Christ. I mean, we know what Christ did. Christ gave his life. And all we're asking, all, all we're talking about is that we give to what God directs us to give to. Paul wants to be clear that he's not interested in the church developing a sense of duty because they assumed Paul was commanding them to give. There is no command to give. It's like Paul is just talking about, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Your heart ought to be like Christ. 
Christ gave. gave. God gave. God gave His only begotten Son. And so if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't even be saved. If it wasn't for that, we'd all be in bed right now. You know, Sunday morning, nobody gets up early. A few of you do, obviously, you come. Uh, so, the law, in the Old Testament, the law may have demanded tithes, but this is not a tithes topic right now. This is an offerings topic. God's desire, not, God desires not a law, but a heart. What he wants from us is to live out everything that 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 said. So we'll turn back there and then we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we need to live that out. The light that we should... Christ shines His light into us and we need to let people see it. That's another part why this is a study on the transparency of the Christian. Okay, so just to conclude here, we'll finish a couple minutes early. Um, so we're going to hold up here. We're going to kind of take time to contemplate what God wants us to, to do. How do we apply this lesson in our life? Uh, and then next, I don't know when, but in the next couple of weeks, we will talk about tithing because it's important to have a conversation when we're talking about giving. We can't skip tithing. We have to talk about that as well. Um, but this, these two chapters aren't necessarily about tithing. They're just about having a heart to give. So let's pray, and uh, we'll, be, we'll dismiss early, like I said, a couple minutes anyway. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the, the heart of the Macedonian church, Lord. I pray that our heart, the, the heart of HBF, would be a giving heart, that we would uh, seek after, Lord, what you want us to do, and we'd be like a Macedonian church, Father. Uh, whenever the opportunities come, we pray that you would allow us to give, uh, that you would help motivate us to give, and that we would not uh, allow our circumstances to be a roadblock in giving, no matter what, the, no matter who's calling for the need, whether it's local or around the world. We just ask, Father, for your wisdom and your guidance. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.